on, especially on Memorial Day weekend. I know some are camping, some are celebrating. This afternoon, I'm going to go down to Rivershawn Park. There's an event called Carry the Load, and I'll be down there with some buddies of mine, but mostly for the barbecue, but also to uh, pay our respects. You know the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day, right? Veterans Day, we celebrate all who served. And Memorial Day, we celebrate especially those who gave their life, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. Even the ability to be here this morning. You know, there are many countries around the world. I was looking at your missionary board out there. There are many countries in the world where you can't even gather like this. They'll come in and shut it down or they'll harass them. But here we have the freedom to worship because of the men and women who laid down their life for us. It's good to see Dr. Carl Anderson here, our teacher from Dallas Seminary. Many, many colleagues who enjoyed taking Hebrew with Dr. Carl Anderson. He wasn't easy, but he was a great teacher, and I know he's still doing incredible ministry here at the church. So good to see you, Dr. Anderson. And I bring greetings from the Dallas Theological Seminary, where next summer we'll be celebrating 100 years of God's faithfulness started by Dr. Lewis Berry Chafer in 1924. So next summer will be 2024, 100 years. So make sure you get involved in that. There's going to be a lot of activities down at 3909 Swiss Avenue. And I think there are others here that also attended and got a degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. And you know what we say in the admissions department at Dallas Seminary, you don't have to go to Dallas Seminary in order for God to love you. But why take that chance? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sign up for classes at Dallas Theological Seminary. And what a great friend, Bob Jenerick, Pastor Bob. I know you all love him. I love his writing and his running, okay? This guy runs, doesn't he? He's probably sneaking in a marathon out in Denver this weekend knowing him, although running in the Mile High City might be pretty difficult. But, you know, it takes so much discipline to write and to run. We all say, oh, I need to go out and running, and then you do it, and you're like, oh. But he's a runner, as you know, and he's a writer, as you know, and both of those things take so much discipline. And it's great to have communion this morning, the Lord's table, because it's Memorial Day weekend, and the Lord's table is a memorial. It's where we look back and we remember what Jesus did for us. So what a great weekend to be here and I'm going to maybe spoil the fun by talking about legalism, legalism. And my talk today is entitled, it won't be long because we have the Lord's table. And I know you have many activities to get to. We'll probably be out of here. I'll be done by 1 p.m., 1.30. <laughs> Why legalism always loses. Why legalism always loses. We're going to be looking at Galatians, of course, with the Apostle Paul, and we'll probably jump in right at chapter 1. But let me start by saying, how many of you remember those iconic pictures of some of our past military conflicts raising the U.S. flag at Iwo Jima? Can you see that in your mind's eye? Raising the U.S. flag at Iwo Jima, one of the pictures of freedom. And maybe another one would be storming the beaches of Normandy. Wow. You think about Hitler and Nazism and fascism coming our way and those U.S. soldiers who went into the face of that, some of them knowing what was on the other side of those boats and running onto the beaches knowing that we had to take that beach. We had to 
defeat the enemy in order to have freedom here in the United States. And that's what we're talking about in this book of Galatians is freedom and the freedom we find in Christ. And you and I, we also have that same need, don't we? We have that need to live in freedom. We don't need to live by so many rules and regulations. And you know how exhausting it is when someone looks at you and says, are you doing it correctly? Are you living the Christian life the way I'm living the Christian life? Are you living the Christian life accurately? And before long, the Christian life, we lose our joy. We lose our freedom. And so Paul confronts these legalists in Galatians. And we have that need. Even if you say, no, Pettit, I've been a Christian for 40, 50, 60 years, some of you. We still have that tendency to slip into legalism. We still have that tendency to fall back on some of our habits and say, oh, I didn't have my quiet time this morning. And since I didn't have my quiet time this morning, maybe the Lord won't bless me today. And what type of thinking is that? That is, you know, God, you and I, we're in this partnership. And, you know, I'll do my bargain down here. I'll live for you. But you better do my end of the bargain as well. You know, we've got this deal going, God. And if I follow all these habits and I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and I tell some other people about you, I'm doing my part down here. God, you should do your part and bless me with those things I want. And that also is a form of legalism. And we slip into that. Even sometimes when we're not front of mind, and we, someone would say to us, you're acting in a legalistic way. You'd say, whoa, 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 not me. I'm no legalist. In fact, I go to grace. Isn't that the name of this church? Grace. I go to grace. <laughs> I go to Grace Redeemer Community Church. Don't look at me. I'm no legalist. I'm, a, I'm all about grace. And then we examine our lives and we find those little areas where we say, yeah, I'm living sometimes in legalism. Well, let's talk about why legalism always loses and why freedom always wins. Freedom always wins. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Written, of course, by the Apostle Paul. Some have called this the Manifesto of Christian Liberty. Probably right around 49 AD it was penned, and Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Follow along with me as I read. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Verse 6. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The word of the Lord. Why legalism always loses. We're going to see today a problem, a solution, and an application. We're just going to keep it very simple 
a problem, a solution to that problem, and then we're going to apply it. Number one, the problem of legalism is freedom from the law. Freedom from the law. You and I, we no longer live under the law. There were a people called the Jewish people, and God chose them out of all the nations, and he said, you will be my people. But he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them festivals. He gave them food laws. He gave them ways of connecting with him through temple sacrifices. And you can imagine this is a pretty complicated system. If you've studied Judaism at all, you know that there are many, many rules and regulations in Judaism. But that was God's way of showing them the law. If you uphold my law, I will bless you. And could anyone uphold the law perfectly? Altogether now, could anyone uphold the law perfectly? No, nobody could uphold the law. In some point of the law, you would have fallen just like I would have fallen. And that shows those people, it shows us our need for a savior. There was one who upheld the law perfectly and we will celebrate him later. First, it asks you to measure your spirituality against others. What a horrible way to live. Well, you know, if you knew Carl, Carl is a much better Christian than you are. You know what, Carl, Carl prays, but Carl prays three or four times a day. And you feel like you read your Bible, but Carl reads the Bible in the original Hebrew. And you think you're sharing the gospel, but Carl is continually sharing the gospel. And before long, what do you say? I'm such a loser. You know, I wish I could be like Carl or Sally or Carol. You know the drill, right? You've done it subtly, if not overtly. You think, you know, I'm, I'm living the Christian life pretty well. And then you start to compare yourself with someone else. What a horrible way to live. God has called you to a relationship with himself, and you're living out that relationship in freedom. Freedom. You don't have to uphold the laws. You don't have to uphold the habits of other people. You know, sometimes I read about the old saints, and I remember a saint that had an orphanage, and he would go out in the morning and say, Oh, Lord, we have no milk, and Lord, we need milk. And then guess what would happen? The milk truck would pull up with the dairy cows, and we begin to live that way. Why can't I have that much faith? Why can't I be like that super saint? And then we found out later that was a man of faith, yes, but he also had a mailing list. And he also had supporters. And he's also doing a lot of fundraising. And no one tells that side of the story. No one says, well, he had a lot of benefactors. He had a lot of supporters. He was raising financial support. He was asking people, hey, if you have any extra milk, we would love to have it. If you have any extra food, we'd love to have it. And so he was using human means in partnership with God's grace. And you and I, all we do is we look at the faith. We look back and go, Lord, I'm taking this final exam. And you know I need help, Lord. You know I need an A right now, Lord. And I say, why can't I be like George Mueller? George Mueller stood out in front of his orphanage and prayed for milk, and milk showed up. That's a man of God. Pettit, what's your problem? I stand in front of Dr. Carl Anderson and take advanced Hebrew grammar, and I say, oh, Lord, you know I need an A. Lord, please, just like George Mueller needed that milk, I need this A even more than George Mueller. You see where I'm headed? Don't compare your walk with someone else's walk. Don't confuse your beginning with someone else's middle. 
Some, some of you have walked with Jesus Christ for years and years and years. Some of you are just getting started. Some of you are seasoned saints. Some of you are brand new Christians. You're walking with Jesus Christ. You're doing it in community, but don't compare your walk with someone else. Second, it seeks additional ways to connect with God outside of faith and trust in Jesus. Legalism seeks additional ways to connect with God outside of faith and trust in Jesus. How did you come to Christ? In faith and trust in Jesus. That's the only way. In fact, I heard someone on the radio this morning driving over from Rockwall, and they said all the other religions in the world use two letters for their religion. D-O, do. Do this, do that. Uphold this, do that. And Christianity is the only one that uses four letters, and those are what? Done. D-O-N-E. Done. Jesus accomplished freedom on the cross. So Christianity is not do, D-O. Christianity is done. D-O-N-E. We live in faith and we live in freedom. We don't have to earn our salvation. We come to faith in Jesus Christ, but sometimes then when we say, well, now I have to live the Christian life, that's going to take effort. (laughs) See the wrong thinking there? How did I come to Christ? In faith. How am I going to live the Christian life? That's going to be hard. (laughs) I'm going to have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to have to struggle. I'm going to have to work hard. No, if you came to faith in simple Christ-like obedience and said yes to Jesus, you also live the Christian life in simple faith and trust. Jesus, this is your day. Help me to see through your eyes. Help me to be your hands and feet in Richardson and Garland. Lord, I'm just trusting you to get through this day, this moment. I'm not going to use my self-effort. I'm not going to try harder. I'm not going to strain. I'm not going to try to be a rule follower. I'm going to trust you. Third, it leads to a roller coaster walk with God. This is the problem of legalism. It leads to a roller coaster walk with God. You've been on that probably if you're a Christian of any length of time. You have this guilt. Oh, I should pray more. Oh, I should read my Bible more. Oh, I should go to church more often. I have this guilt. And then I break through and I have freedom. And I'm reading the scriptures and I'm sharing my faith and I'm living the joyous Christian life. And then I break some rules, I sin, and I'm back into guilt. And it's like a roller coaster. Only it's not a fun roller coaster like you ride at Worlds of Fun or Six Flags. It's a horrible downhill dark tunnel of a cycle of guilt. And then freedom, but then the rules broken, and then guilt, and then the rules kept, and then self-satisfaction. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm living the Christian life. I'm doing this. And then slipping back into this cycle of guilt and then freedom. And why? Because it's a roller coaster walk with God. And let's get off of the roller coaster. Let's tell the ride operator, stop, stop. I'm getting off this ride. It's horrible. And Lord, let me just live for you each day. I'm leaving the outcome in your hands. Lord, I'll do my best. You do the rest. That's all I can do. And finally, fifth of these problems of legalism is it steals your joy. It steals your joy. Isn't that horrible? It makes you question your freedom in Christ. One of our chaplains at Dallas Seminary for many, many years was Chaplain Bill Bryan, a wonderful believer. He used to play the trumpet. In fact, in chapel, he always played the trumpet really loud. And Dr. Harold Honer always sat right in the front row. And over time, uh, 
we would see Dr. Honer and we'd say, hey, how are you doing, Dr. Honer? And he'd say, well, pretty good, except I'm deaf in this ear from Chaplain Bill's trumpet playing. Every, mo every morning, Chaplain Bill would blast the trumpet. He was just so full of joy. And he would lead us in song, lead us in worship. But Harold Honer sat right in the front row. And they also used to joke because Harold Honer was a Greek scholar. He studied at Cambridge. He wrote on the different Caesars. And Bill Bryan says he graduated toward the end of his class. So they always joked because what? Harold Honer graduated toward the top of his class. And Bill Bryan would always say, well, I graduated toward the end of my class. So let me ask you, did God love Harold Honer more than he loved Bill Bryan? In fact, let me say it this way. If you're the type that likes to take notes, write this down. Nothing you can do can make God love you more. Wow. I love that truth. I just wish I practiced it more often. I wish I lived in that more often. I need to get a tattoo of that. Nothing you can do can make God love you more. Do you believe that this morning? You've got to believe that in your deepest, most inner parts, that God loves you. You're free in him. You are apart from the law. You're not any longer under condemnation. You're free to live your Christian life. And the second half of that is, you know, we often say nothing you can do can make God love you more. And the inverse of that is also true. Nothing you can do can make God love you less. I'm working with some guys now. They say, Pettit, you don't know what I've done. <laughs> if you, Pettit, you don't know me, man. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. If I go into this church and sit over here, man, somebody might know me. Someone might point to me. It works both ways. You don't impress, by, impress God by doing your devotions every morning or impress God by reading the Bible. And you also don't disappoint God when you let him down or when you make a mistake in the Christian life. Nothing you can do can make God love you less. He sees you as sons and daughters. One of my little granddaughters is Nora Faith. Nora Faith. And last week she had a dance recital, her first dance recital. Have you ever been to one of those? Four years old. Wow, they're just sort of wobbling around up on stage. What would it have been like if I'd have said, now, Nora, that was an amazing dance. Now I love you, Nora. I mean, I kind of liked you before, but after I saw that dance, that was amazing. I really love you now, Nora. Of course not. You don't think I love little Nora Faith with all my heart? I would do anything for little Nora Faith. And that's what God says to you. Don't let anyone steal your joy. I remember talking to Chaplain Bill, and he told me about a senior saint at his church, an older saint that was sort of sour, you know, walked around the church all the time looking like they were sucking on a lemon. And he, I would say, what, you know, what happened to that person? What happened? They're a believer. They've been walking with Christ all these years. What happened? And Chaplain Bill would say, you know, Paul, they've lost the joy. They've lost the joy. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Let's not lose the joy of our salvation. The joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my... That's how we get up in the morning. That's how we get through the day. Lord, I'm depending on you today. I'm leaning into you today. Lord, you're my strength. You're my joy. Well, the problem of legalism. 
Let's move on to the solution. Amen. The solution to legalism is learning to walk in freedom. Learning, you and I, learning to walk in freedom. A, remember your identity in Christ. My identity is not who I am as a fisherman. What if I catch 20 fish? Am I awesome that day? Yeah. What if I catch zero fish? What happens to my identity? I'm such a loser. I can't even catch fish. I'm at Lake Ray Hubbard. They're full of fish, and I can't catch one. I call myself a fisherman. What kind of a, what kind of, and see how that ties in? And with you, it might be your work, or your parenting, or your grandparenting, or whatever you put your identity in, your hobby, even your spouse. You can only put your true identity in Christ to find freedom like that. You were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You were not saved by works. Did anyone here come to Christ by works? If you did, tell me what you did. (laughs) Tell me what you did to impress God the Father enough to provide a relationship with Him apart from the cross. So you were saved by faith. Let's live out this freedom life in faith. Enjoy your freedom in Christ. Now, I have to admit this morning, I am a recovering people pleaser. Don't raise your hand because we're on some kind of Facebook thing. I don't want anybody to see anybody. So don't raise your hand, but just, you know, in your heart. Is anyone else here a people pleaser? Don't, some people, you know, they just feel like raising their hand right now because they're a people pleaser. Don't raise your hand. But some of you I know are with me and you would say, yeah. You know, if I put us all in a circle now, I'd say, hi, I'm Paul Pettit. I'm a recovering people pleaser. And you would say what? Hi, Paul. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Okay. Hey, I'm Paul Pettit. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Hi, Paul. Paul. And then you you say what you're struggling with. Well, we're not doing that because we're on Facebook. (laughs) But people pleasing is exhausting. Why? Can you ever really please everyone? Stop trying. You can never please anyone. It's exhausting. And what Paul says here, look at it with me in verse 10. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? That's pretty clear, isn't it? Paul's not messing around. Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? And then a very interesting word choice here. He says, if I were still trying to please men. Whoa, what was Paul? He was a people pleaser. He said, I studied under Gamaliel. That's like saying, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. He says, I was zealous for the law. Oh, he says, I was moving up in the ranks of Judaism. He wanted to be at the top teachers. He wanted to be able to walk through the road in the town and have people say, wow, look. In fact, these Jewish rabbis used to wear robes, and some of them had bells on the end of the robes. And when they walked through the town, you could hear the clink, clink, clink of the bells, and people would say, oh, scoot back, here come the important rabbis. Here come the teachers of the law. They prayed long public prayers. Why? They were people-pleasing. And Paul says, am I still trying to please people, or am I trying to please God? Paul makes it pretty simple. Are you trying to please man, or are you trying to please God? And it takes faith to please God. Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do a lot of good things. Is that what he said? Apart from me, you can still find your identity. 
Apart from me, you can do what? Wow. Let's say that again. Apart from me, you can do... Do you believe that? I mean, do you slip into like, oh, I think I got this one, God. I got this one. I can do this on my own. I don't need faith for this one. I don't need prayer for this one. I don't need to ask my friends to pray for me this time. I think I got this one. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Three, rest in your security. Rest in your security. When you're secure, you don't have to try to impress people. When you're secure, you know your future. I like to see the little kids on the playground. They play, they run. But there was a playground that was right next to a road. And all day the teacher were like, stay back, stay back, stay back. Until what? They built the super duty heavy fence. And then what happened when they built the secure heavy fence? The kid, they, they climbed over it, yeah. <laughs> Typical grade school kids. They felt secure. Now they can play. Now they can run in freedom. Now they can be themselves. I got this fence here. I'm not scared anymore. And that's what Jesus says to us. You're free to be who I created you to be. You're a member of God's forever family. You can be free and be yourself. You can be who you really are. As the old East Texas farmer says, be who you is. Be who you is. Because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. Be who God's created you to be. You've got different gifts. You've got different dreams. We need everybody in the family here. We need the whole body we need teamwork to make the dream work. You've got to bring your gifts to this body. You're needed here. And you can be who God has created you to be. And fourth part of the solution is re-examine your rules. Some of you maybe have some rules, and you need to re-examine those. Don't confuse scriptural mandates with cultural assumptions. Can I do this? Can I do that? Depends on what country you're in. Depends on who I'm with. No, re-examine your rules. How many of you saw this month, last month, and March, I think, first of March, King Charles and the inauguration? Wow. How long did his mother reign? 70 years, I think, or was it 75 years? 70 years, the Platinum Jubilee. 70 years she reigned. And so what was Charles's struggle? Just waiting was he secure and um, one day I'll be king? Yeah, probably. He's the firstborn son. He knew his future. One day I'll be the king. And then after waiting almost 70 years because uh, Elizabeth was inaugurated at a very, very young age, many people in England had never seen a coronation ceremony. Some of them, for the first time, they saw a coronation ceremony and they placed that crown on Charles's head. Why? Because he was adopted into monarchy. He was chosen at birth. Now, what if Charles would have stopped right before they put the crown on and said, hold on, let me walk through all the things I've done. Let me show you how much work I've done. Let me show you all the tasks I've accomplished. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been awkward? They said, no, 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 you were born for this, Charles. All you do is step into it. You just come up here on stage and the Archbishop of Canterbury will put the crown on your head and he says, no, 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 I want to prove to everybody how much works I did. And you and I, we fall into that trap, don't we? I know God loves me, but let me just tell you how much I've earned God's love. Or for those of you on the other side of the coin, some of you would say, you know, I'm not sure if God really loves me and so I'm doing all I can to continue God's love for me. 
or to make sure that God remembers me. That's as silly as Charles standing up and saying, hold on, hold on, I've made some mistakes in my life. Uh, maybe there's someone else that should be king. No, he was the heir apparent. And you are an heir. You were adopted into God's forever family. How many of you enjoy fruit? Two people. Okay. Oh, there's a few more. You, uh, you can raise your hands now. We're not admitting anything negative here. All right. For all of our Facebook people, there are a lot of people raising their hands. We love fruit. How many of you have ever walked by a fruit tree? And how many of you have ever heard a little cry coming out of the fruit tree where one of the fruit trees is going, Aah! they're just straining and working as hard as they can to produce fruit. Aah! No. What does the fruit do? It just abides. Jesus says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. You don't see fruit or vegetables. I know you tomato people. Some of you have your tomatoes out. You got your shade. Uh, pretty soon your neighbor is going to say, no more tomatoes. I know you tomato people. And you never see the tomatoes out there just working as hard as they can to grow, to just strive and strain. No, you know what? They, they just abide in the vine. That's our task. Jesus said, follow me. His, his call is always, follow me, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. Well, let me close with this application. How can we apply this? Remember the difference between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Is God sovereign? All together now, is God sovereign? Yes. But are you as free people, do you have the freedom of will, freedom of choice? <laughs> okay, you'll have to work that out. Theologians have been arguing about this for 3,000 years. We have the sovereignty of God, yes. God is large and in charge. God is ruling and reigning. He's the God of the universe. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. But you also, as human, created in, with the Imago Dei, the image of God, you have the freedom. You could come here this morning or you could not come here this morning. You could listen to me right now, or you could be on Instagram right now. But the mystery is that these two truths work themselves out in God's will as a mystery. I worked with Dr. Chuck Swindoll at the seminary when he was president of Dallas Seminary, and he was writing a book on God's will. And, oh, everyone was excited. We finally wanted to hear, what does Pastor Chuck Swindoll say about God's will? I was in the office. People were actually calling the office. When does the book come out? Will there be a study guide? Everyone was so excited to finally learn God's will. How does it operate? Is it more about the sovereignty of God? Is it more about man's free will? And guess what the name of Dr. Swindoll's book was? The Mystery of God's Will. <laughs> I love that. The Mystery of God's Will. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is in complete control. But yes, you also have free will. Tomorrow morning, you can do pretty much whatever you want to do. It's Monday. Maybe you're off of work for Memorial Day. Maybe you're studying. Maybe you're going out and planting your tomatoes. You see, you can do pretty much whatever you want to do. And the mystery of that is living within the tension of knowing that God is in charge and that I have a choice in the matter. 
And that is our walk of faith. Lord, I'm going to do this today. I pray that you bless my efforts. But I leave the results in your hands. I'll never forget Reverend Bill Bright. Reverend Bill Bright, who started a little ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. Anybody here ever heard of it? Now called Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. And he gave us three points every time he talked. I always heard him. Number one, share the gospel. Wow, he was about sharing the gospel. I remember I went to Kenya for 13 weeks and showed the Jesus film. We had Muslims that were throwing rocks at the projector. Bill Bright said, share the gospel. And the second part was, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He never left that out. Share the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then lastly, he said what? Leave the results up to God. Oh, I love that. Share the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results up to God. And guess for most of us, guess what the hardest part is? Leaving the results up to God. Lord, I thank you for these, my friends, my colleagues, my fellow sojourners in the walk, that, Lord, we would get away from legalism, no matter how incipient it is, how, how it creeps into our life. We would walk in freedom, God. We would lean into the life of community here at the church, small groups and in friendships, walking with other believers here at Grace, and that most of all, we would leave the results up to you. We would leave the results in your hands. We're not going to try to control the outcomes always. We're not going to try to manage all the time. We're going to leave the results in your hands. I ask all of this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, the risen Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.